This is the John Oakley Show podcast. Back at you into the home stretch. Great day for talk radio weather wise. Well, we're having to deal with the road conditions, the slickness, the ice, all the rest of it. Uh, and that continues overnight into tomorrow. But then things warm up considerably tomorrow afternoon, evening gets to seven degrees. But uh, be mindful on the way home. The black ice everywhere, despite the road crews being out and about. And we were told salting and sanding in uh, sort of a repeat fashion because there was some snow and then the ice pellets, uh, the conditions are such that they just have to keep doing it continuously. So that was the latest word we've gotten and uh, we'll soldier on and hope everybody does uh, heed the warning. that. Uh, and tomorrow morning too, uh, give yourself some extra time. Uh, I know today all the schools were closed, the colleges and universities likewise, many events uh, likewise shuttered because of the inclement weather. So uh Tomorrow may not be quite as bad since we've got some advance notice, but uh, again, just be mindful of the conditions. Let's get back into it. Ernie Eves, John turley Ewart, and Peggy Nash. By the way, Peggy, coming from Parkdale High Park, got to ask because there's a story about Toronto home prices could be uh, rebounding, returning ne- to near the peak of 2017. This was from the Toronto Real Estate Board. Uh, an announcement earlier today, and I mean, we talked in the past about gentrification, your neighbourhood, the junction, other places that uh, <clears throat> had been uh, economically disadvantaged, let's say. But when that happens, you know, doesn't augur well for some of the longtime residents. And uh, I'm just wondering if that would be a good or a bad thing if you think Toronto home prices would get back to those historic highs from about two years ago. Mm. I guess it depends which side of the home ownership divide you're on. If uh, for those people who already have a home, they're, they sit back in awe and look at their house, how their house appreciates but if you're on the other side, if you're not a homeowner, you're a renter, um, you you just look at this steep mountain that you're never going to be able to climb. Well, and, did we need uh, government inserting itself into the equation with stress tests and all the rest of that? Because now there's discussion to ease up on those things. Uh, so do you still maintain that there's a place, a position for stress tests and evaluating people's abilities to carry a mortgage? Is that important? Well, sure, of course it's important because we don't want a situation like in the U.S. where you have a complete collapse of the... I know our situation is different here. It's better regulated, but we don't want a collapse of the system because there's an economic downturn and people can't afford to pay for their mortgages in great numbers. Uh, I think what we need is, most of all, is for the federal government to get serious. They make a lot of announcements. There's a lot of uh, smoke and mirrors about... Um, affordable housing, but what we're not seeing is a significant investment in affordable housing. What I, I think would really help the government under uh, under the Liberals a number of years ago got out of uh, building co-op housing. I think uh, co-op housing is a great way for people to feel that sense of community and the sense of ownership without actually uh, having to to invest in buying a home. It's a great model. But that would be something uh, that the government would encourage then through government policy rather than a free market. Yeah, I'm not saying there isn't a role. Obviously, there's a role for the free market. Right now, it's all the free market. And what we see is uh, rather uh, extremes in terms of uh, in terms of prices. What uh, makes the most sense for a lot of builders is to build at the high end. Obviously, they get more bang for their buck. Uh, they're not they're not in the well, business. What would you do? Of, would you incent uh, them then to build affordable housing? Like, I mean, if there are certain cases where infrastructure, like the subway or transit hubs, and uh, talk of you know giving incentive to developers, thirty uh, percent of which would go to for profit. 
housing, and another third would be for, you know, the deep uh, lower income, and then a market-based uh, for the secondary tier, I guess, or whatever. You think that's a better model? Uh, well, I think that's one model, and I think it depends on on but there is what, what the incentives motive. are. Yeah, and that that happens now. I okay. mean, there is, but you're there, not again. There are incentives now. Okay, uh, I think we could do a much better job, and creating hubs near subway stops is a great way to do that because so many people who live in low income apartments or in Toronto housing. Uh, live in transit poor areas and uh, they they have a lack of retail. It's difficult for them to get around. So uh, housing people in with more affordable units near the subway makes sense and having a mix of housing makes sense. I think when you bring people together rather than isolating people right. in pockets of poverty, that's a much better way to do it. Let me it. turn to John because uh, this is a question that I, I'm kind of curious about. You know, the mortgage lending rules, uh, there's talk of maybe easing them uh, because people, uh, the housing market is kind of flattened out. Uh, do you think that's advisable? Well, let's let's step back and figure out why those rules were put in place, right? The finance department and the finance minister in Ottawa can't go to the Bank of Canada and say, you should start jacking up rates right now because we're a little bit concerned that things getting a bit too hot in, in, in Vancouver and Toronto. They can't do that. So what they had to do is come up with a mechanism themselves in order to try and cool things down. The stress test is one of the ways to do it. Uh, and so I would argue that interest rates have gone up. They probably went up a little bit too fast. Uh, you've seen the impact on the market. Houses are down in Toronto about 120, 130,000 on average. Uh, I think that people are sitting on their hands because they're not quite sure what to do. Do we actually need that intervention anymore? Can we leave it to the banks to figure out who to lend to and who not to lend to? I would say yes. I said absolutely yes. Uh, so I don't think the stress test is needed. I think interest rates have gone up. I think, uh, you know, because of those interest rates going up, it's kind of brought people back to reality. It's not free money anymore. It's not uh, really expensive money. But, you know, the, we are moving towards a higher rate environment, uh, no question, down the road. I don't think we need this anymore. It was brought in at a time when money was extremely cheap and Ottawa didn't have, you know, the, the ability to get the government, pardon me, the Bank of Canada to move, so it moved itself. All right, cooling off the housing sector, uh, do we still need to do that, Ernie? I would agree with John. I don't think you need to do it. Uh, I wasn't, unlike John, I wasn't a favor, in favor of it in the first place. Uh, once the government starts injecting itself into, you know, how much people could afford, I mean, that's a whole debate. I mean, housing is obviously very important. But I, I don't really think the government should be involved in telling people what they can, can do and can't do. You know, here's another interesting one. Uh, while we've got a few moments yet, uh, Doug Ford government, I guess it was the uh, Speaker of the House who was saying that uh, they ought to drop these retaliatory tariffs, uh, you know, on steel and aluminum. Uh, there's like $16.6 billion, I guess, of retaliatory tariffs against American products coming into the market. And there's talk of just unilaterally lifting those as maybe a sign of good faith and trying to get some movement on things. Peggy, why are you shaking your head? <laughs> well, it, the, it was in retaliation for U.S. tariffs on right. steel and aluminum, and the, the, they were totally and are totally frivolous based on security concerns. Since when is Canada security concern for the United States? 
Now, for us to raise the white flag on tariffs, um, what kind of signal does that send to President Trump? I've never known him to to have to show great empathy for the other side right. based on weakness. <laughs> I think, on the contrary, well, he'll see I us th- as swell guys. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm All not right. sure that's how he bargains. He tends to whack you in the nose and say, "Have I got your attention now?" Kind I of the whack-a-mole that- thing. There you go. That's the, the Adam Gone <laughs> meme. But this was a misstep, though, by the Ontario government. I don't. I don't know if it was the you know the industries that purchase uh, aluminum steel you know you had, you had a little bit too many mimosas at that breakfast <laughs> uh, and then came out and announced we should get rid of these uh, these tariffs no, no look the, the US imposed we, we're not the aggressor here the US imposed it on us it's we don't our, our industry doesn't have a fair advantage and until the the, the Americans drop their tariffs we're not going to drop ours. Right. Using using mm-hmm. Donald Trump in good faith in the same sentence is kind of an oxymoron. <laughs> Did you watch the State of the Union address uh, last night? I watched parts of it. Well, what did you find particularly interesting or noteworthy? Well, I look at whoever wrote the speech did basically a pretty good job. Its delivery perhaps is another subject, but they just seemed to can't help himself to go out of his way to tweak people about the investigations that going on, they're all politically based, et cetera, et cetera. The wall. Mm. I mean, he'd have been much further ahead, in my opinion, to actually pr- practice some unity that he's preaching and hold out an olive branch as opposed to a club. Well, it was interesting because uh, unlike Canada, America will never be a socialist country. Did you see that when they said that and uh, <laughs> turned to Bernie Sanders, who was scowling all the while? There were a lot of scowls there by were. some well, of even, the representatives. Even when the guy said, you know, uh, and we've also uh, managed to have more women in the workplace than at other any other time. That brought out the loudest cheers. Yeah, except that there were some women who were prompted. They were looking around. Should we actually cheer this? <laughs> I mean, that's how conflicted they are in America. I right think now. they were Republican women. Uh, well, I'm, I'm not sure about that. However, uh, I do want to wrap on this note, and uh, I appreciate your coming in. It's been one of those days where the road conditions don't lend themselves to easy access, but you guys uh, did a wonderful job by servicing us here with uh, the roundtable. Ernie Eves, former Premier and Finance Minister. John turley Ewart, Risk Management Consultant. On Bay and Wall Streets, and Peggy Nash, formerly the NDP MP for Parkdale High Park, and now a visiting Profit Ryerson. Thank you all. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. We'll come back. A final word or two on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Thanks for listening to The John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on demand audio.